You're listening to this episode of the Ruby on Rails podcast. I'm a host, Sean Devine. So you see, I've changed it up. I'm a host now, Kyle, not the host after our post-show call the other day. And I'm the host, Kyle. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like I've been uh, scoundreled. This is like, a, yeah. like an episode of uh, House of Cards or something. Yeah, the, the what is it? The, the pupil becomes the teacher or whatever it is. <laughs> this, is how, uh, this is how he became president. Yeah. Yeah, no spoilers, please. <laughs> hey, tough, tough luck. <laughs> uh, do you watch that show? Uh, I have got I got through the season one all the way to the last episode, and I haven't been able yeah. to bring myself to watch it. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll forget what I just said by the time you get. It to doesn't it. matter. I mean, it's pretty. It's it's such a pop culture show that it's like almost impossible to, you know, miss it. Plus, Netflix spoils the previous season after every season for their you know their teaser for the next season so right i try to see the upside and everything and one of my sort of philosophies is that i've got i I know that i don't have the best memory it's like spotty sometimes it's okay um sometimes not so much but one thing that's good about it is that i tend to just forget spoilers someone's like oh this is what happened i'm like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna forget like my 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 memory is not sufficient to be to have my moment ruined (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. uh okay so let's get to our baloney follow-up um, I learned your biggest fear this week. Oh yeah, what's that? Yeah, I mean you told me. I told you. See, well, you know how you forget spoilers. <laughs> I forget important conversations with friends. You have a you have a robot that just responds to all text messages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I'm in Slack, you're ninety eight percent chance it's a rogue Ruby script answering. <laughs> well, you know what? It worked. It's like a rubber duck for my social life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, before I get there, so um. Do you have like a game plan when you go to parties? Kind of like a like a go to set of tricks that that uh, help get the party going. Oh man, no, I do not. <laughs> I am I am a pretty abysmal at raising the caliber of a party. So I've had two friends, like two people in my life, that made me good, like better at partying. I think I was like okay in the first place, but uh, I used to work with a guy, and like we'll get back to him later. But I used to work with a guy that. I don't know if this was his strategy for like making friends and influence, uh, influencing people. And he became a very good friend later in my life, but he was convinced that I was a great partier, which like wasn't actually true. I, <laughs> like at least I didn't think it was true. Like yeah. I thought it was okay, but I mean, he was convinced that if we went out, that it was going to be a show. And I had this sort of intense desire to not let him down that it turned out it was kind of it wasn't self-fulfilling because I didn't say it, but it was like he set the expectation and I absolutely rose to it. So he was number one. And then the second is my wife who is kind of shy. Uh, do you think that's fair to say? You know her okay. Um, uh, you, uh, reserved maybe would be better possibly. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. I mean, I don't know that she's shy, like, in all, I don't know that she's reserved in all contexts, but she's definitely a little reserved or shy out yeah. at a party. So she always, like, gives me the speech before we go out, which is like, hey, you know, it's your job to, like, make sure the party's fun. And I'm like, okay, I got it. Anyhow, so because of the, like, and maybe, maybe the theme really here is that I find excuses to get revved up for parties, which probably is accurate. So I, we were going to a party this Saturday, and I was thinking about, like, okay, what we're, we're kind of new to this social group, and uh, they're actually quite fun, like very fun, I'd say. 
So I was thinking, okay, we got to make sure we keep getting invited to these parties because we're kind of new to it and uh, I don't want to disappoint. So I started to like brainstorm things that I could do. And uh, uh, the, uh, the best one that I came up with was to, to claim that we had a tradition of bringing guilty pleasure liquors to parties. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for the figuring that, you know, people don't want to buy certain types of alcohol themselves. I'll give examples like peach schnapps fireball um jägermeister you get the idea but that if anyone brings it to a party everyone's really happy about it um now truth be told we've never done this before it was a tradition and and claim only um but that's what we did so i got a big bottle of fireball you've had fireball before right i have i i guiltily like fireball yeah, me too. Exactly. I think well, everyone does. Yeah, that's the idea of this game. So <laughs> I, I went and got like a big, huge thing of Fireball and, you know, came in and had my shtick about how this was our uh, tradition, which is to bring guilty pleasure alcohol. Fast forward three hours and... <laughs> you own their house. <laughs> this party got way, way out of hand, <laughs> which is like, I mean, these are like a bunch of middle-aged suburbanites, so... I don't want to overstate it, but it was like, it was the kind of party. So the, the hosts have a 17 year old and she had a friend over and it was the kind of party where they were like Snapchatting photos and videos of the party (laughs) to make their friends jealous, which I think is kind of bad in some ways, but anyhow, so I was telling you that story or, or uh, uh, something related to it. And you reveal that your biggest fear is what, Um, now do you remember? Being hungover and taking care of my child the next day. <laughs> yes. Well, I can tell. So let, let me tell you. Uh, we have uh, four kids at, at home. We did on Sunday morning. That is a very challenging proposition. <laughs> two babies and <laughs> yeah. two, two idiot boys uh, 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 possibly extremely hungover from Fireball. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I, I can't say that I have... Well, let me think now. It's going to be too soon. I don't know that I've ever legitimately been hungover while also taking care of him. Yeah. I've been I've been pretty tame because I just can't I can't fathom that thought. No, it's a <laughs> it's a bad idea. I don't even want to try to say otherwise. So I I woke up and I'm like, "Okay, I've got to I've got to cure this quick." So my strategy was I I took the girls, the twins, the babies, and decided that I would chop wood until I felt better. Yeah, I, I, I got to be honest. I really appreciate everyone who has a strategy like this because I know a lot of people who are like, man, I feel just disgusting. My head hurts. I'm going to vomit. I'm going to go do physical work until I feel better because I know a lot of people who do this, and I got to be honest, I cannot fathom that. I can't oh, really? fathom that. No, it's the same thing as people who are like, oh, man, I'm so hungover. Let's go get McDonald's. I'm like, when I'm hungover, I, w- I, w- I want to die. I, like, I would rather <laughs> die than do either of those two things. Huh. So I don't know if I'm just built differently or if I'm just a giant wuss or whatever. But like, yeah, I, that's why, that is why I'm so fearful of being hungover and having to watch a child because I am just like... I just like just sit, just stomp on my face until I pass out or something, please, because this is horrible. Well, I don't have a lot of like uh, 
as a you know middle aged guy uh, experience being hungover. Like I mean, I don't know how many times, a few times ever, and and they were usually like on vacation or something like that, where right. taking care of kids wasn't a concern. So I was kind of winging it. Um, but my version of uh, my version of go to McDonald's was totally true story. I got a gallon of Gatorade and a big bag of goldfish. And I, <laughs> I I drank and ate the entire entirety of those. Man. And then chopped a lot of wood. Like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know what unit of wood chopping there was. Probably about 200 chops. That's how oh much wood chopping. I'm like, I don't even want to chop something 200 times when I'm sober, for God's sakes. It's pretty fun. I don't I mean, know. like, pretty fun in a... <laughs> In a, I don't know, makes you feel good about yourself kind of way. I, uh, sure, yeah. I mean, I would like to use one of those splitter machines. Oh, no. no that seems I'm, like a lot of fun. Mm-mm. I'm kind of pro uh, chainsaw, but anti-splitter machine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so anyhow, All right. so that's what I learned about you this week. I don't yeah. think I, I'm not sure I revealed anything to you, so. Uh, you know. Or you forgot. I don't think so. <laughs> So on to our uh, on to our real topic for the week. You went to a seminar. Yeah, I did. Uh, so before we get to kind of our point, would tell uh, tell me a bit a bit about it. Yeah. So uh, a colleague Kiwi uh, went to a training in Boulder, um, run by this company called Interaction Associates, called Facilitative Leadership. Um, and she highly recommended it. And so I was like, well, I mean, I have a colleague who I respect and she recommended it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Because with a name like Facilitative Leadership and a company named Interaction Associates, you know, the, 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 like the stigma or the smell around that is pretty fierce. And so well, when you said when you said Boulder, I expected you to say like run by a yogi named Sky Blue. <laughs> no no some, some boston-based company apparently has an office there so you know bring a little northeast to the midwest i guess but but yeah no uh and so the the premise of the course is basically tools tricks processes to um help you lead teams um on projects to help you lead teams uh in uh, your your organization to help go from an idea to executing on a project and how to sort of get through that process with the most uh, appropriate involvement from everyone and so on and so forth. And so um, I find these hard to talk about only because I think it's easy to poo-poo like some of the names and stuff because all of these names are usually super uh they just sound stupid generally but to be frank i had an amazing time i thought it was really worthwhile so if any of this sounds interesting to you then i I would highly recommend you checking out interaction associates it was it was probably the best um like straight up i'm going to this thing to be trained uh course that i've probably ever taken in my life so um these sorts of events are sort of like business school classes they deserve to be mocked and they also are useful like you you can be both yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I learned a lot at this for sure, but I'm not going to be telling everyone that I went to it. <laughs> I mean, you kind of are, but that's a Well, that's I different. mean, the podcast, I mean, it's me and like, you know, our millions of listeners. It's oh, not right. the same thing. It's just you and me, Kyle. That's all yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. You mean these have been recorded? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so why, did, before we get into the content, so why did you decide to go? Like, what was the hook that made you say, you know what, that's, that's, that's better than the alternative? 
I watched, so I watched um, Kiwi come back after going to the training and there was just a bunch of little tiny changes that she would make in like our processes or her uh, team, uh, well, her projects processes that I was like, at first, like, that sounds stupid. And then, you know, I would go through them and be like, wow, that was really effective. (laughs) You know, like that really worked, even though at first you're like, ugh process this is going to be stupid and uh you know and it made a huge difference and so a lot of it was just seeing uh her go through you know go through the course come back and not really talk specifically about what she learned or you know there wasn't one of those like okay now we're going to do a brown bag and kiwi's going to teach us everything she learned it's not like one of those things it was just watching it go into practice uh you know, it, it looked it looked it looked really effective, and now being involved in that project a bit, it is really effective. So, um, care to give an example of a of a tool? Yeah, sure. So it's going to sound really silly, I think. Again, in description, but in an experience, it was super valuable. Was basically. Um, doing this technique that this company calls negative polling which might be a normal thing but uh it's that's the term for it negative polling it's the idea of instead of saying does everyone agree uh at the end of a conversation or at a point say um you know can anyone not agree to this or does anyone not agree with this direction or anything like that um primarily to allow people to feel more comfortable one speaking up because of like the psychology around uh the way you know the mind works with not wanting to necessarily be the one go no 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 i don't understand this but when you say it in a when you when you ask a negative question to have a response is a bit easier but to when you ask a negative question and you get no response you know what you're getting you know you you like in theory you're getting a a more true a true uh affirmation instead of saying does everyone agree and nobody answers and you assume that silence equals assent or agreement but that isn't necessarily the case so to be clear if 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 one wants to railroad a decision i ask the question does everyone agree yeah you say does everyone agree and then you go okay let's move on instead of saying you know uh, can anyone not agree with this or, you know, is this not clear for anyone? That sort of thing. Um, in theory, right in the class, at least they say, you know, uh, this is a, a good technique for getting people more involved and you understand what silence means. And so if I were just sitting through the class, I'd be like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm, great. Yep. I'm sure that's going to be really great. But sure enough, when we, during our weekly plannings and this team's weekly plannings, um, you know, when we were sort of deciding, okay, how do we want to do this? You know, Kiwi brought up the point like, well, we should reword this question instead of just saying, you know, everyone agrees, you know, you can reword it to say, you know, does anyone not agree with this direction or does anyone not agree that these things are completed? Um, and it turned out that at least in my opinion, more people were speaking up, you know, and, uh, and I thought that was like one really interesting, simple trick that I, I, mean, I don't know it will work for everyone, but it was one of those things like the cost of doing that was like 0%, you know, um, but it seemed to facilitate some better conversations. Um, the other thing that uh, I thought would be really valuable was uh, basically doing really, really micro retros after every meeting. Um, and so Kiwi's project team does something very similar to this, but the course was talking about doing plus deltas, basically what worked really well. And then what would you change if we were to do this again in a week? God, don't call them plus deltas though. I've, I've worked in some, <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is like the Ugh. terminology is always super bad. And so like, you know, if it were me doing this, like, I don't know that I don't, I think that by 
in my opinion and in my limited experience doing this sort of thing, I feel like whenever you present something as we're going to do X where X is a process or a type of process or an idea, it never works <laughs> because the immediate reaction of probably 80% of the people in the room go, Oh my God, no, I hate that. That sounds horrible. like exactly what you just did, right? Well, I was but objecting it, specifically to the douchey name plus Delta. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the name, the process idea behind it. But if I were to just to say at the end of the meeting, you know, Hey, so real quick, what, you know, what went well about this? Like, I feel like some people might be like a little bit weirded out that we're even having that conversation, but at least I'm not being like, okay, let me go to the next slide. Now we're going to do our plus Delta, you know, it's like, it's like a, it's like a math fraternity plus Delta. It just <laughs> plus Delta Phi actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just, it really, anyhow. But anyway, like that, you know, like you said, a lot of these things have these really kind of, you know, like you said, douchey names or whatever. But um, but I'm curious to see one the stuff that I've learned that I haven't seen in practice, but two, um, you know, having seen a colleague do this and other people on my team who haven't been through this particular course, but have obviously had either professional experience or training doing things similar to this. Um, I I would I would recommend it. Uh, you know, it just sit down and let the names wash over you, I guess. Well, there's, I think that there's a, um, there's an interesting thing about going to a course like this, which is part of the benefit. I think, at least in my experience comes from being more mindful of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So if you sort of like dissect what you just said, you're talking about being more mindful of showing that you are open and creating opportunities for people to speak about a given decision and then doing it at like a higher level of, of, uh, perspective you know same idea and that like as long as you're being mindful about it it'll keep working when it calcifies into the new sort of you know rote thing we do then the effect goes it's sort of like that beginner's mind idea in, yep. in buddhism i think yeah no i agree completely and i think like you said i mean i th i would say probably the big thing that this uh this probably gave me is just a little bit like those little nuggets where when a stream of information is coming in, you know, now you have like a couple more things that can process that and go, Oh, this is what's happening right now. You know, here's one way to kind of get around that, uh, especially in, in disagreement scenarios, um, not around it, but work through it. Uh, especially when you have people who have strong opinions on your team, which is probably just about every team in existence. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was good. But one of the things that, uh, and kind of parlaying into the topic today, uh, one of the things that uh, they touched on very, very briefly was just um, coaching relationships. Like uh, instances where you have someone professionally, whether you work with them or outside of uh, you know your relationship with them in work, uh, having someone that you can go to to discuss, you know, hey, this is a problem I'm having, can, you know, you help me figure out what to do next or you can you just listen to what I'm doing? Uh, that sort of thing. So that seems like a good segue into our first ad before we continue. Don't you think? Oh, Oh yes. Thank you for that. You're welcome. That, was, that was very thoughtful. Uh, Hey Kyle. So it seems like it's been about a month since you've written any code. Is that right? That sounds about accurate. Sean. Okay. Are you think? Are you thinking? Th this applies to you. Then, are you thinking about becoming a software developer? You know what? At this point, I do think I need to go back to the drawing board. Yes. Well, you should check out Dev Bootcamp, the original short-term immersive software development program that transforms those new to coding. <coughs> Kyle, 
New again. Born again. again. Yeah, transforms born again coders like Kyle into job ready full stack web developers. You can learn front and back end web development, teamwork, and leadership skills in a rigorous and inclusive environment. It actually kind of is hitting on most of the notes that I, I think you uh, see said from this week. Um, Dev Bootcamp has several locations around the country and is accepting applications now. You can visit devbootcamp.com slash Ruby to learn more. As I mentioned last time, they've had about 1,900 graduates through the program. And you should go check out the website if you uh, if this sounds interesting at all. I think that their program is... Uh, uh, you, you can tell that many people have gone through it. It seems very thought through. Uh, nine weeks remote, nine weeks on site, one week career prep. Uh, it's uh, spelled out very clearly. So again, devbootcamp.com slash Ruby. You'll find out more. All right. So so back to our uh, uh, coaching conversation. Now, do you think you're a, a better coach or, or player, so to speak? I think I'm definitely a better player. Um, I think I can coach... Uh, well, or at least I think I have a couple of strategies that make me, uh, you know, as effective as I can be, but I think I'm definitely a better player for sure. Mm. I don't know if you'd agree with that, um, actually, uh, given that we both have coached and played <laughs> uh, <laughs> in different in different parts of uh, our, you know, our friendship, but uh but but yeah, I, I wait. I, I was being coached and didn't realize it. Yeah, you were. That's the best part know. about being a coach. Is sometimes you can just fucking coach people without them knowing it. Huh. Excuse my French there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're a you're a <laughs> silent but deadly coacher. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what's? I'll, I'll give you my answer. But what's your guess? What, so what am I going to say? Better coach or better uh, receiver of for coaching? you? Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I would say you're probably a better coach. Um, and that's in my limited experience and that, uh, you know, variety with you. Well, I was, uh, the reason I got thinking about that party from this weekend, um, it sort of relates to this and that I think, I think as a coach, I'm kind of like I was at the party this weekend, just like my ceiling's pretty high. Like if, like if I'm really plugged in, I think I'm quite a good coach. Um, but, uh, if I was doing that every day, all day, I would like last a week. You know, like mm-hmm. I, it just is hard to sustain that kind of, uh, I think some people like that's their thing always, you know, that they, they, they just want to be plugged in and coaching and, and in that kind of cycle. And I think for me, it, it's, uh, I like it, but not, uh, not as my primary mode of interaction with, uh, with someone. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, so, uh, did you feel like uh, the seminar was sort of directly focused on improving either your coaching or coachability, uh, or or was that kind of an indirect benefit? Um, I mean, it, it, it was a explicit topic, but it was very short, you know, um, and and so it was just kind of passed passed through. But I, but I I find that um, you know since getting into a sort of more, more uh, semi rigorous coaching relationship. Uh, uh, with a colleague and in having coached people uh, more on the team since uh, having more people join our team, I, I found it to be a highly, um, you know, highly valuable uh, set of skills on both sides of the fence, right? Being a good player, being a good coach. Um, so, so is this a, is this kind of a, a standard, um, 
I don't know, program or, or way that you do business at GitHub, kind of a, a mentoring arrangement, or is it an informal thing? Um, it's, it's, it's relatively informal. Uh, most new hires, when they join a team, they get a buddy. Um, and so mentor is probably a little bit too strong of a word. Um, but buddy being, you know, helping people, uh, understand you know sort of what's going on with the company help them understand what's going on in the team help them work through technical problems that they might be having uh, help them you know figure out how to pick new work that sort of thing you know how to fit into the process and and how to raise questions about the process in an effective way and so uh, I've been doing a little bit of that uh, recently and I've done a bit of it in the past at github and a bunch of that sort of thing in the past uh, at other jobs does it work I think I've gotten better at it. <laughs> so I think it's uh, it's it's working more now <laughs> than maybe in the past. I think I've like the one the one sort of takeaway that I've um, gotten about coaching uh, in coaching only being distinct from mentoring in such that mentoring in theory there's a there's a structured relationship there where the mentor probably has some sort of like culpability for the mentee, right? Like if you, if the mentee's doing a bad job, someone's going to go to the mentor potentially and be like, Hey, like what's the situation here? Um, sometimes mentor mentee also have a hierarchical, hierarchical like relationship where the mentor is some sort of leader, someone above you, not just a, a veteran, someone that's been around uh, for a very long time. Um, and so for coaching, it's much more just, you know, this is what I see. This is what I think now you choose. And so one of the things that I've started doing is at the beginning of any relationship, whether it's formal, like I'd like you to help me out or just someone coming to advice is just basically asking, you know, like if I weren't here and you were trying to solve this problem, you know, what's, what's the approach you usually take or what approach do you prefer to take when you're trying to learn something? Do you prefer to pair with someone and understand the code alongside someone do you like someone to explain it to you do you like to sort of dig in and bang your head against the wall and just come up for air and say hey look i did a b c and d but i can't figure this one thing out can you help me um i found that by asking that question even if there's not a particularly good answer you know it sort of shows a lot of about what the person is looking for uh, because you know a lot of times you know i might come to uh, sean you know come to you sean and say hey you know here's the situation you know what do i do you know and for sometimes in new relationships you might just say okay well it's clear you got to do a b and c uh and in other times you might learn that i like to sort of understand the thinking behind why we would do something like that and you would sort of walk me through a hypothetical um i don't think that that's something that you can easily learn uh at least in a newer relationship probably without just explicitly asking uh and so by doing that i think i've probably gotten a bit more effective at not just sort of assuming what people want um and being able to say you know how would you do this like how would you solve this problem or you know what exactly are you looking for here if 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 that first question doesn't really you know help put you in the right direction what have you found that most people want you know what nothing consistent to be honest um some people want uh, you know, in a technical context, some people might learn best where they're saying, I would like to pair all week. 
can we can i learn by just working with you all week and i'll go sure no <laughs> <laughs> well, I well mean, I'm, to, I'm sorry i just knee jerked that answer i didn't know but i mean to be honest like that could like if i had a like uh, for a week i would say yes you know what i mean i really don't enjoy pairing in, in long quantities i enjoy pairing on specific problems i do not enjoy pairing on like hypothetical like you know we're just gonna sit down and work today let's pick something and work on it i don't enjoy that at all i enjoy pairing the produce in my marley spoon dinners that's about the extent of the pairing that i'm interested in doing on a daily basis yeah like i don't i don't hate it like you said for just brief spurts but man i it is not my jam in general yeah um so yeah, I mean, that's one option. I think another option is people who prefer, you know, I don't kind of want you. Like, I want to just figure it out and I'll come to you. Uh, and, you know, and and you can check in every once in a while, but I'll, I, I learn best by just sort of, you know, figuring it out. It might take a little longer, but I'll learn it better that way. Um, you know, that's been a big one for sure, too. Um, and then some people like something a little bit in between where, like more check-ins, you know, like, Hey, how's it going today? Every morning or every two days, or, Hey, I saw you did this work. It was a good job privately. Um, usually it's somewhere in between those three, uh, areas where people in my experience like it, but I, I honestly don't know that I've seen enough of any one where I feel like most people want one thing. And I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes of, you know, coaching a variety of people new to your organization new to you or someone looking for some expertise that you hold is just assuming that they all want the same thing you know um what are you best at because i think that's relevant you know what i mean like what they want is is one ingredient in the stew and then what you're most effective at delivering is certainly another ingredient yeah for sure so i am best at either the leave on the starting on the leave me alone side and check in every once in a while to (laughs) hey let's check in and talk and we'll sort of like work together as makes sense and go from there i am not good at um the long-term high touch because i get exhausted um and it's not because you know uh I, like I don't, I don't think those, I don't think those people are learning or anything like that. It's just more for me. Um, I just can't, I can't maintain that level of focus, introspection, hearing what they're saying, trying to figure out the best way to teach them that, show them that, hear what they're saying, and keep going like that for a week. You know, yeah. and so in reality, if someone said I would like to pair for a week, I I would probably either have to say. I could pair for I could pair with you for a couple of hours today, and then see what happens tomorrow. Uh, but if if that's how you really learn best, it might be better to find someone else to be your pair. You know, your 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 coach that could help you out uh, a bit better. Because then everyone's sort of getting a win, right? I mean, if I'm not going to do a good job because I'm going to be exhausted by day two, which honestly I would be, uh, then you know, it's uh it's not something that I think would I think would work out particularly well. I found that there are a couple of go-to techniques that that seem to work with most people that I uh, both don't mind doing, and I think I'm I'm good enough at. One is is what I describe as like a cooking show, which is where you describe uh, out loud in very explicit sort of step by step detail how you attack a problem that they face. You know, so like when I'm, I'll give an example. Like uh, I used to do this when I. Um, wasn't a programmer, but built a lot of spreadsheets. 
um, you know, to model various decisions or, or the way processes worked or manufacturing situations or whatever it was. Right. And, um, uh, the, the models would be very intimidating to people once they were built because they're like, how did that end up happening? Like, how did this thing come to be? So I've, for all those years while I was doing that kind of work, uh, got into the habit of saying, okay, I will, let, let's build the next one and I'll build it and talk out loud with the group about all the decisions we're going to make. Just sort of, yeah. you know, like uh, like when you kind of live, live, live yep. code. Which know, is something like that. that you've done a fair bit in the past and seem to be particularly good at too it's it's helpful i mean i think people get a lot out of it because it's not intimidating where i mean i I find that people can get kind of intimidated about asking questions and um you know if you're constantly stopping and saying like okay do you have any questions about about this topic that i don't know it it takes a certain sort of person just to actually interject with the question that's bugging them so and of course I do that when I give these sort of like cooking show explanations of how to do things, but I found it's most helpful to just say, okay, I'm going to like go to the least common denominator above some level and go at a pace that would be reasonable, try to be a little bit entertaining and just say out loud all the things that no one ever says about like, you know, what the different options are at each step and how do you do things and like, you know, tell a few stories now and then, but kind of treat it as a cooking show like performance where maybe, maybe you pre-cook a few things, but you let things go. You know, like if, if there's an interesting problem, you don't, you don't try to have it canned in the first place. It's sort of like try to be the anti-trainer. Like don't come in with a script you give because that's not interesting. People don't, I don't think at least people learn that well from that. Yep. I agree. Uh, um, but rather, you know, take a problem that you're a problem class you're familiar with and a specific problem you haven't yet tackled and just, you know, just walk through what you do. Um, so I found that to be pretty effective and generally helpful. Like, you know, there aren't that many people that are like, oh, I hate that. You know, it seems like a, a genre that people, a genre of sort of like a teaching that's pretty good. And the other one that I found pretty good is a group that's big enough where once you kind of outline what you're going to work on that you can walk around or or sort of survey the group let's say it's 20 people and just see which groups or individuals are are like ready to kind of like your point before about like ready to receive some help right and like let everyone else alone but in a group of 20 there are always going to be some people that need help and then you can go and kind of like dive in and interject with some high energy, like the specific assistance they need. And then most of the time, let's say it's like a seminar that's four hours. Most of that time people are on their own, which is generally, I think what people like, except when they need, you know, need you, you're not, you're not that far from them and you can dive in and and get your hands dirty. So those are really the two that I, the two kind of like, uh, high intensity coaching like you know very not the like call me when you need me but the the (laughs) plugged in type deals where people seem to get something out of it where i you know i can endure it because i think that that's a key issue right Right. i mean if you're going to flame out then then it's not going to work that well right right for sure and i think that's why you know a, a good coach will know when to back out you know or uh, not just back out and say, well, sorry, won't work for me. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> but preferably back out and say, you know, this isn't, I, I'm not going to be the best person to help you with this because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. But here's a colleague, here's a friend, here's someone I think you could email that might be able to help you better. Um, 
presuming that you have a relationship that you could that you could you know send someone along like that um i think that's probably the one of the best things you could probably do you know something i've been thinking about lately that relates to this is uh so i've been working about 20 years now i my first like real job was when i was um 19 you know, I, the first job that was like legitimate, that it was interesting, or I was in interesting situations that I've made okay money at, et cetera. And uh, so I'm 38 now, so this is year 20. Um, and I was thinking about how I think I gave as much coaching and advice when I was 22 as I do now. And the question is, it, was I giving way too much then or not at all enough now? <laughs> and I think the answer is probably both, unfortunately. That's kind of funny. I got it wrong on both ends. I think I probably was a little too confident back then. And I think I've probably retreated into my own little world at this point. Uh, <laughs> but I think that that's an interesting thing that, that you're uh, kind of comparing your competence and wisdom. Let's, let's just go with those two attributes. You know, obviously there are others that, are, that matter, but like, what do you know textbook wise? And what do you know? Just, uh, What's the soup you're swimming in of, of context? Um, right. You right. know, like, and and uh, uh, if you look around at all the relationships that you have, you know, is there a, a gap? Is there some sort of, like, knowledge or wisdom gap between you and people that have a trusting relationship uh, with you? And if there is, you should really help. You know, you should yeah. leverage that or vice versa. And I think I, I actually am kind of... Uh, it's a bit of like a disappointment of the last five years. I think I've let that one go a little bit. So that's a that's in in years twenty one to thirty of my work life. I think that's something I'm going to get back to. Because yeah, you actually come to me now and then about these sorts of things. Yeah, of course. Uh, which just highlights to me that I don't do it often enough. <laughs> Whenever time we have that conversation. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that you know, and I, I think it's worth being clear too that you know, there is a little bit. Uh, of a difference between you know advice and coaching and, and honestly you know sean when i talk to you about stuff it, it is it is generally coaching at least in my mind you know i think advice is sometimes you know just you know hey i have this situation or that situation what should i do and then you go i really think you should do a right i think that's basically advice and that's fine it's not bad but when i talk about coaching and i go to you know folks like you my colleagues uh former managers you know a, a spouse even you know it's more so I want you to try and hear what I'm saying and, you know, try to inquire into why I'm thinking the way I'm thinking, you know, and then help me come to a come to a conclusion, come to a solution that best fits like where I'm at and not necessarily just, you know, hey, you know, can you kind of pull out a an example from your professional career you know about blah 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 you know what 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 worked for you um and so you know i think that uh, we all have something that we can share uh and those people that and because I, I do think that i think even at 22 i mean you know like we always talk about people coming new to the field are going to have different you know experiences that they uh that that people who have been here for a while just can't remember anymore uh and being able for those people to share those uh, skills uh, and, and, and pieces of advice either to new people or to old people who are looking to try and change the system, I think that's valuable. And so anyone, I think, has something worth sharing. It's just, you know, it's being able or accept, you know, accepting to 
let someone like me come to you and say, hey, like, what's the situation and giving me the time necessary to, you know, hear, like, listen and understand what, where I'm coming from, where you think, you know, what you are hearing, what you're perceiving as I'm talking. Uh, and I think getting to that point is probably a skill that takes time, even if you have, you know, wisdom to impart <laughs> uh you know b- being able to hear someone say what they're saying and, and really try to understand what they're saying and not what you think they're saying is is, is something that it probably takes a bit of time and practice to to get to so i was reflecting um earlier today when or tonight really when we uh had settled on the topic about who the best coach was that i've known and i want to tell you about her but after i uh after i tell you about Rollbar. You know what, Kyle? You can tell me about Rollbar. Yeah. So you know how you build really crappy software. <laughs> well, the kind of software that's going to have three hundred thousand errors in ninety days. That well, kind of look, software. Listen. I mean, if you've written a Rails application uh, ever, you've either sat there and tailed the logs and said, "Oh crap, there's a bug here. We got to fix this," or you've used an error tracking tool. And a tool like Rollbar comes in, you can install it into your application and get error reporting and monitoring uh, using uh, uh, Rollbar's uh, online application, including things like um, time snippets, occurrences, uh, the number of errors that have come in via IP, this particular IP address, the number of unique people who have seen this error. Uh, You can look at a variety of sort of uh, SQL style uh, lookups for the errors that you have in your application. Uh, Rollbar is trying to give you the information that you need to quickly make the change that you need in your application to uh, when when an error occurs, when some user's not satisfied and they get a 500 and your application inevitably explodes. Does it just work with Rails? No, it works with a variety of languages. And for, I mean, and if you, <laughs> if for an extra fee, it will make you dinner, I think. <laughs> this is this is not accurate. This is not in the read. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Although it does work with Ember. And I mentioned last time that I was looking forward to uh, using it on a, on a production app or set of apps, actually, that I have that are Ember apps. I have not done that yet, but it's still on my to-do list. It's literally on my checklist of things this week. So. Yeah. And I like, I mean, uh, seriously, it's a, uh, it's a very interesting excuse me, new take, not, I don't know, I'm going to say new take because that sounds cliche, uh, really interesting new take on like error reporting. The way that it shows you the data is the way that you're questioning in your mind currently with whatever error tracker you're using to go, huh, I wonder how big of a deal this is. Boom, Rollbar can tell you that right away across a variety of metrics instead of digging through your current error tracker and saying, oh, this happened 150,000 times. You have no idea if that's a big deal or not. Uh, and Rollbar can help you figure that out. All right. Well, there's a special offer for Ruby on Rails listeners. You can go to rollbar.com slash Ruby. You can sign up and you'll get the bootstrap plan. That's one of the named plans on the site. Free for 90 days. That's basically 300,000 errors tracked for free. You may lose your job, but you didn't pay anything for (laughs) Rollbar during that time period. (laughs) It's loved by developers at companies like Heroku, Twilio, Kayak, Instacart, Zendesk, Twitch, Many more. Give Rollbar a try today. Rollbar.com slash Ruby. So let me tell you about the uh, the best coach that I've worked with. Yeah. Now, I've worked with many people that I think would be good coaches, but I picked her. Uh, her name's Olga. I actually had her on the show back oh, a long time ago, a year and a half ago, maybe. Um, I picked her because I think she had the most unique and effective 
mix of techniques. So, so there are two things that she did that I thought were notable. So one, you just said a minute ago, which is that she listened, you know, and, and that's the cliche one that I think anyone can do. Anyone can listen. And I mean, not, I, I don't mean she didn't talk. I meant, I mean, she listened. You know, like she, she could repeat back the details of anything that was said to her at any point in time from any conversation. I'm positive of it, right? <laughs> she was totally present, uh, 100% plugged in, uh, listening both to the content and to the emotion and to the context of everything that was being said. And I think that that's a distinction, right? Like, oh, sure. Your, your goal is not to be a rubber duck that like just stares, Right. I mean, I think that that's probably better than just talking, yeah. you know, so if like we're going through the hierarchy, it'd be like, you know, uh, talk over someone would be the worst case scenario. Be a rubber duck's probably second best. Listen carefully is the next sort of rung. And she did that well. Um, she would ask. So first technique beyond sort of the base, which is that she listened well, that I thought was interesting, is she would ask questions that uh about anything that was unclear. Now, keep in mind, she is uh, at, about as smart as someone could be, right? So, so the probability if she's listening well, um, which she is, that she wouldn't understand is super low, right? Like, like she would get it. Like, you know, there's not many things that you'd say that that she wouldn't comprehend. And that was the payoff from listening so carefully. Is that every time she asked a question, you knew. Wait a second she doesn't have any like cognitive gap on anything and she always listens to everything so when she asks a clarifying question what she's really saying in a very nice way is um i don't believe that you're thinking or, or that you clearly expressed your point of view about this topic uh i'm going to ask about it so that you can either make it clear that you are thinking clearly about that or maybe take some time to think about it now or maybe I can help you think about it and I, I found that to be so effective because every time she brought she was like hey can you can you like clarify what that trade-off is again I would think the same thing which is oh did I not think that through or did I not communicate and then depending on where that fork in the road you know right uh, led I would I would take path therapy so I, I okay so things you did one think super uh, or listen super well. Thing number two, ask legitimate clarifying questions, like, sort of like, like pay off the fact you listened by asking clarifying questions that reveal possibly the gaps. And then the third thing she did um, that I, I still to this day, because I talk to her pretty regu regularly, uh, find super helpful is that she is super educated. So when it came to the end of a given segment of the conversation, and you're getting to like the analyze and improve sort of a, um, segment of the thinking, um, she would uh, possibly say what she would do. But what she would do every time is tell you the tools she would use to come to that conclusion. So she has a PhD in operations research, you know, uh, very, very well educated. And what she taught me is that there is not a situation you can find yourself in, like a, a decision-making problem. And a lot of the things that we would work on would be highly technical, right? Like, so optimization problems or statistical problems or whatever. You wouldn't find yourself ever in the, in a situation in that realm, but I think it also applies to, you know, negotiations, to uh, strategy, to, uh, sales to all sorts of areas where the world hasn't already created tools that are very well vetted to help someone through that very problem. 
So what she would do is her catalog of tools she knew was is extremely extensive. So usually she would just know. And she'd be like, well, I would possibly do this, but I would use like the following two tools to reveal the right answer. And if you want to know more about them, and if you're unfamiliar, you know, check out this or that, or I can help with, you know, the other. Um, and if she didn't know a tool in your given domain, she would use sort of her experience in the things she did know to say, you know, I don't know specifically, well, I'll give an example like negotiation. So I don't know specifically um, what the right tool is to use to pick what your anchor should be, you know, what you should offer in this negotiation. But I suspect that there's been, you know, a, a lot of work done in this area. And I would like look for something around this to see what they've figured out about how to sort of best solve this problem. And seeing her do that over the years taught me all those things, which is like, you know, don't take notes, don't look at your phone, just listen super closely, ask clarifying questions to reveal how well someone's thought through something, and then like actually pay off the fact you're educated to not throw out kind of random advice like you know you referred to before, but rather be specific about what tools you'd use to come to whatever conclusion. And then and only then do you say, and by the way, I think I'd lean towards X, right? Because you've kind of given all of the ingredients to that, that pie. And the fact that you say what you did is, is kind of just like, or what you would do is kind of, I don't know, maybe putting some skin in the game yep. and, and perhaps could be helpful. But the rest of it is just is helpful because it can be reassembled directly to help solve the problem or the approach can be used for other problems. So she wins my award for, for best at attacking this. And, and I think that there's like a scary um, takeaway from that, which is like to be the best coach, you have to be a good listener world-class smart and very well-educated. And uh, I think that's accurate, actually. Yep. Like, and, and I think, like, I, I don't want to shy away from saying that because I think it's a little cliche to say, like, well, you know, uh, it is to kind of overly lean on the rubber ducks a good coach. And, like, I have seen many rubber ducks, literally, and it's not a hard, you know, I, I, there's one floating in the uh, bathtub that the girls are just in right to my left right now. <laughs> and a rubber duck does not compare to a, a legitimately great expert. And, you know, I've used both and uh, I, th I think, I, I don't know, beware, beware the, I think, somewhat trite notion that, uh, th that coaching is, is sort of fundamentally just about not talking because I've, I've seen, you know, how good she is and some other people that use those techniques. And you know what? You need like more of them in your life. At least that's my, that's, that's what I've seen. Yeah. I ended up being a rant about her. I didn't expect that. <laughs> it's just yeah no it's i mean it's funny to like i don't know to look back and think just you know some of the some of the i agree i mean some of the best experiences i've, I've had have you know not been the quintessential just like i'm gonna talk and talk and talk and i figured it out you know i mean i feel like i can do that with the most mostly anyone who's willing to look me in the eye and not talk. <laughs> uh, but most of the time I get the best, uh, you know, the best coaching or best feedback when I can describe a complex situation to someone who's listening closely enough to hear something or put something together that I missed, you know, using their life experience or professional experience and then can just sort of say, hey, this isn't a solution, but I heard you say this and this 
did you like did you mean or did you did you notice this relationship between those two things and then usually i'm like oh damn <laughs> i think you know people roll this reminds this conversation re- reminds me a little bit of um the 10x developer conversation yeah by and, the way i you know uh i don't know have you seen this uh 10x uh engineer.com or whatever thing no what is it uh if you go to 10x.engineer uh it's like it's like a website and then i think you can like set up an email address or something <laughs> so it'd be like kdaigle at 10xengineer.com so just letting you know if you ever want to hire me kdaigle 10xengineer.com well so i don't i don't hear right i don't want to get um down into this rabbit hole but like the tldr on 10x engineers and my point of view on it is that they absolutely exist and i think you're it's it's nuts like you have not worked with many people or you're looking the other direction if you think they don't exist because i'm positive they exist but uh and that's for another show but let's talk about coaching the 10x coach i am a hundred percent positive exists like there are people that are so much better at helping you through problems that they're just not in the same universe as a good coach Right there, there like Olga, she's you know stratospherically better than just about anyone you work with, and I think that that like the, the reason I like to say it that plainly is that like if you haven't worked with people and uh, uh, worked professionally or otherwise with people that are that wise and smart and educated and kind, like they're out there and they're worth it, and like you know it's uh, it, it's uh, fundamentally. Uh, a different experience to to find them and work with them than even to work with someone that's pretty good. Um, and I mean, I, I I happen to think the same about ten x. You know, lots of things, but but certainly in coaching, I'm I'm pretty sure. Well, why do you think that that's controversial? Because I know people really really roll their eyes about that. Ten x engineers. Ten x anything. Is it just? Is it sort of like? Does it offend some egalitarian sensibility? Oh man. I don't know. But I mean, it does offend, right? I mean, like, I'm not imagining that people have that reaction. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely think that it offends some people. I, I don't. I I don't know. Ego. <laughs> Ego. Yeah. It's got to be. You know, if I'm this good, there's no way someone's 10, is, 10 times as good as me, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, which side of the fence do you go on on this one? I don't give a crap. It wasn't a. It wasn't a matter of care. It was a matter of opinion. I mean, you know, I just. I don't know. I. 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 I've worked with some engineers that are really good. They're really effective. They can produce a lot of high quality code. Um, I've worked at a lot of with a lot of engineers that can produce a lot of code, and it's not really good, and it sucks to be on the receiving end of that. And so, I think that's presumably why people think the 10x engineer thing is bunk. Is they purport 10x to mean volume primarily, you know, uh, and not necessarily the 10x engineer that writes 10 lines of code and you know unlocks some friggin' business ridiculousness. You know, seems like a straw man though. To be direct, I mean, what's that? Well, the I like. I mean, is does anyone think that the X is lines of code? I mean, maybe, but I don't think that that's what most people mean. Even I though I so. agree, <laughs> I think so for sure. Other because like otherwise, it's like what when you talk to an engineer, how do you think they measure the, most? Most, how do you think they measure their performance and success? I'm really good at writing code. Really? So I have never, for one day ever, 
looked at how many lines of code I wrote. Like, I, there has not been a single moment. I, I, th I think I've probably looked back at a project and said, how many lines of code is this? I mean, I know I've done that. Um, but is that a thing? Like, do you look at how many lines of code you wrote today? No, no, no. But I don't mean I don't mean that in the. I guess I don't mean that in the literal sense. Like, I'm not wearing a pedometer for code lines or something. <laughs> I, I just mean it, you know, figuratively. Like when you sip when when you talk about this, I do think that most most people consider it some degree of volume. Like, wow, I can't believe they got that much done. And usually, that much isn't business value, user facing concerns. It's like wow, they, that's a hard problem and they did that much that fast, that sort of thing. And so my guess is that's why people get up in arms is it's just when you measure things that way, uh, you know, it's it's usually not, it's usually complicated because a lot of people do a lot, but a lot of people don't do a lot well. Uh, and I know a lot of developers that do very little coding, but probably are ultimately more valuable uh, to the organizations that hire them. Uh, I mean, at the very uh, least, they know a lot about leading teams and, and other other things they would have learned at, at conferences. <laughs> <laughs> oh, doggy. Uh, so I, uh, I should tell you about how to seem like a 10x coder, which is to use Braintree. <laughs> Braintree is code for easy online payments. If you're building a mobile app and searching for a simple payment solution, check out Braintree. Their V.0 SDK makes it easy to offer multiple mobile payment types. You can start accepting PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo. But I haven't even heard about Bitcoin lately. I'm going to have to... I sold all my Bitcoins. Is that right? I don't know. I've never owned a Bitcoin in my life. Okay. Venmo, credit cards, and more, all with a single integration. All it takes is one small snippet of code, and you're all set up in less than 10 minutes, 10xer. Plus, Braintree offers quick, knowledgeable developer support if you ever have any questions. And on past episodes, Kyle has vouched for uh, the back and forth that goes on with their developer support. Sounds pretty legit. I have. You can learn more, and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com slash railspodcast. All right. Any closing thoughts about your seminar? About uh, coaching, about coachability? I mean, I think that, you know, uh, I highly recommend you spend some time and think and find someone uh, in your organization, in your field, someone who's not in your field but you trust or, or you know, admire uh, and talk about, you know, getting into a coaching relationship where you can reach out to them and take a little bit of their time and, and get the, uh, you know, get someone who can actively listen and then ultimately, you know, push you uh, in the right direction or guide you in the right direction. I think it's been uh, probably one of the most valuable things that I've done in the past couple of years for my, uh, you know, professional development and in some ways my personal development too. So um, I think uh, it's uh, sometimes hard to find someone, you know, that or at least mentally find someone that you think is, you know, would be valuable, but it, it, assuredly there's, there's a multitude of people around you that could, that could help you out. Um, and people are always willing to help. Not always, but usually willing to help, I think, yeah, much more sure. often than people think. Yeah. All right. So do we have time for a quick Shipped It segment to wrap up? Yeah. Let's play the jingle. All right. And Shipped It's our ongoing series about what it takes to manage an, an application after it's let loose into the wild. The series is produced in partnership with AppSignal, our favorite application monitoring solution. You can use the promo code SHIPPEDIT. 
That's Shippedit, S-H-I-P-P-E-D-I-T, Shippedit, and you'll receive an additional month free beyond the standard free month from AppSignal at AppSignal.com. Uh, here's my topic for the week, staging servers. Uh, I, not even uh, once. Not really? Is that, is that it or no? <laughs> so uh, I, uh, I have... I think I have developed a certain religion about staging servers. Uh, maybe fallen off the wagon a couple times too. Uh, I'm curious though. Before I get into that, what's your staging server setup at uh, at GitHub? Not Do you have I, one? not ideal, Sean. Uh, so let me give you a small piece of advice. Um, it's a tough topic. Your, I think that's why it's a good, a good thing. <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, for about. sure. Yeah, for your for your staging server. Um, We've all heard horror stories about companies or situations where someone deployed something to a staging server and it emailed all of their customers, that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, have data separation from your production database in your staging servers. Yeah, so it's in- it's an interesting topic. Now, is this, uh, are, you, are you projecting a real world... Yeah, I mean Experience. all. Yeah, I mean all. In some ways, it's so. This this is a pro and a con, depending on how you think about it. Um, but I mean, GitHub's air quote staging servers are usually called staff servers because they ultimately point to the same database as everything else. Oh, literally the same database. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and really? so yeah, so there's a bunch of protections to avoid doing things that are going to actually cause pain, like a lot of other horror stories that you've heard. But uh, still, on a personal level, um, you know, it's it, there. It, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, but it does. It does uh, increase the rigor of your code review before you head up to a server. Um, overall, though, I mean, I think that in my experience, having a staging server. Um, even if you have a separate database, let's say, um, there's a huge temptation to begin pulling production data and putting that into your staging server because you want to test something out and see how it's going to act. And that's okay. But uh, not only do you need data separation, but you most likely need service separation as well. So those are things like email, uh, APIs that you call, shipping APIs, all that stuff. You'd want to make sure that your staging environment is very carefully um, you know, protected uh, in a way that uh, if you decide to go, hey, we're going to test out this system and you kick off a billing run, you don't somehow rebill all of your customers. Yep. You know, uh, And that only happens through careful protection of how you set up all those environment variables that talk to all those third-party systems to make sure that there's no spillover. Um, but ultimately, a good first step is definitely start with the database, uh, hit up services shortly thereafter. So if you were going to design from scratch the solution at GitHub, like let's say they said, hey, Kyle, you've got a you know, year to work this out. Yeah. So, what would you do? So let's pretend that it's not GitHub and maybe it's an organization slightly smaller than GitHub or has operational happiness with using a tool like Heroku. Uh, I would either use Heroku's review apps, including their deployment pipeline, or build the same exact thing but internally. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that is basically, in my opinion, what staging should be environments that can be spun up tested very very quickly so the spin the spin up can't take 15 minutes you can test what you need to test you can make changes to the overall environment if that's what you're ultimately needing to test and then explode it burn it all down to the ground and start over um otherwise as your company grows or if your team already has more than two three four developers two developers are going to want to use staging at the same time when you're blocking work and instead if you use something like 
you know, Heroku's uh, review apps tool, which is pretty freaking slick, by the way. And their deployment pipeline is pretty cool because you, I don't know if you've used that, Sean. Like you, oh, I, that's I, I, I literally okay, cool. use it on all of my apps. Yeah, it's. I think it's. I think it's really slick, and I honestly think it's probably one of the biggest improvements to deployment in a very long time it's a it's it's a very platform specific feature to them but i can see a scenario where that gets pulled out to um you know i'm sure there are already third-party services that can do that but the idea being that with a review app you can spin up a complete environment for every pr that you have and then you can have an actual staging environment if you want to to send everything to that first and then you can deploy from staging to production uh within heroku both within i believe their ui right and uh through github uh, or whatever service you use, um, it's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty damn slick. Well, I, I mean, they're. I think at this point, their entire uh, web UI is built on their um, API. So I think any, basically anything that you can do in the web UI, you can do. Um, gotcha. Outside, and yeah, I use it. It's fantastic. Uh, so what I do is is very similar to what you just said, actually. So I I have a staging environment that is a mirror of production from uh, like the application standpoint and, but not the database. It, the database has the same migrations, but is uh, seeded in the first place and then just has whatever beyond seeded, you know, user data that's created because I've had the same both scares and mistakes that you mentioned about. I've actually never pointed at the production database. I, ha I have done that for my local machine before, and I don't even do that now. I mean, I, I that's a, uh, it, you're just so close to making a mistake, I, and I have made some mistakes before. Um, I used to copy the, when, on some smaller apps, copy the production data over to your point, which I don't do anymore for the same reasons you said. So I, I've really gone to a, a kind of a seeding script for either staging or development that um, rigs up an environment that has uh, you know things in a state that you'd want if you wanted to play around with any feature, which seems like a pain, and it is kind of a pain actually. But uh, uh, the alternatives are all worse. I think that that's uh, that, that's maybe a decent summary of your point, which is that when it comes to staging, like it's clear that it's helpful to have it, and it's also clear that every path has problems. Yep. And so you, you kind of have to decide which problem you want to deal with. And my take is I'd rather have the certain pain of uh, seeding data than the uncertain pain of blowing something up. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, you know, and, and as long as like you take on that pain all the way and you're like, you're adding to your seeding script, uh, you know, through every feature, then it's not that bad. It's only bad when you're like, oh my God, I've been building this app for three years and now I need to try to build a script that can construct a reality that's even somewhat close to how things are. And you're like, oh, this isn't good. Well, then, I mean, there's a huge better. benefit though that if you're doing good seeds for your staging server, that means that de your developers, assuming there's more than one of you, will have good seeds locally too. Because then you're just going to have to solve that problem eventually as well, you know? Um, so it just kind of depends on where you want to pay the tax, like you said. Yeah. I mean, on, the, on that point, so I've found that... Um, like I'm collaborating with someone on a project right now. And the best thing, and you've said this before, and I totally agree. The best thing to be able to say is, hey, run bin setup. Yeah. And your development. So, you know, it'll it'll set up your machine. In in my ideal case, it also seeds the development server, not your test server, but your development server with the same seed data that you put in staging. Yep. 
so that when you fire it up, like, you know, if you're going to like, you know, click test that what you're using is, is like kind of a representative world. And like one thing I have on, uh, I wonder if you do the same thing on my bin setup scripts. Now I have it output at the end, kind of like a, if you're going to be a user here, like if you want to use this kind of, do this kind of thing, here are credentials to use, or here's a URL that to use that'll like log you in as that type of, you know, like just like kind of like outputs the, what do you do if you want to get yourself into the app in a, in a certain type of role or a certain type of situation. And that's very welcoming. You know, it's nice when you yeah. start on an app and you see that. Yeah, for sure. Or like me, you come back to an app you haven't worked on in four weeks and you're like, uh-oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, how does anything work? <laughs> Who, what idiot wrote this? Me? Yeah. I think you can tell from this conversation already that staging is like this. This feels like a a big topic to talk about more later. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. That's all I got for tonight. Anything to plug, sir? How's your how's your uh, uh, course going on? What's it called? Uh, Treehouse. Tree it's yeah, tree going house. awesome. Yeah, no, it's been really fun. A lot of people on Twitter have reached out. Um, a lot of people uh, have been using it. So I set up a repository that's a part of the course, actually, and it has been used. So like a multitude of times and so it's been pretty fun to like watch people fork a repository that uh i have control of so i can see like oh hey look all these people are doing it so uh it's been a lot of fun uh go check it out uh it's github basics uh on teamtreehouse.com you can use the code github 50 to get 50 percent off your first month uh give it a shot it's a great introduction course for how to use github why to use github um you know how to use it as part of an organization and a team i think that's like uh, that was one of the major sections i did and i think is really valuable especially if you're a github uh, user you know how to use github but you maybe don't really understand what the best way to go from using it by yourself or using it on open source to using it as part of a business um and so you can go check that out teamtreehouse.com um github basics promo code github 50 it's pretty cool and then then tweet me because i love hearing from people having uh done it and you can see my goofy face on uh all the horrible freeze frames they grabbed <laughs> no no really oh yeah not great <laughs> <laughs> do you like your outfit in hindsight um so i brought uh like five outfits and they were like that one so I didn't really get much of a say, and besides, this was a piece of clothing I was not going to be ashamed to put on my body. <laughs> so, really low bar. <laughs> did uh, did they pick the one you expected? Uh, no, because they said no uh, patterns, and they picked a plaid shirt, so... Mm. But I think it all worked out. <laughs> that reminds me. So I've been trying to sell Teresa this week on a, me adopting a, like, lumberjack... Uh, style oh boy hasn't i have not made much progress i've gotten jamie to agree that i can pull a zuckerberg and wear the wear the same outfit every day for the rest of my life hmm. <laughs> now there's a podcast topic sean hmm. i can tell just by your response you know i think like <laughs> I, I find it appealing for all the obvious reasons yeah uh however when i see uh, 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 I, like I don't like I, I admire many people's style um, and 
I couldn't say that for anyone that wears the same thing every day. Like that feels like the cut, like the protect the downside approach, which I think is like, you know, sensible. And I understand the point, which is like, hey, if you don't want anything invested in how you know, you want to focus on other things, you want to find like the minimally acceptable style that is like gonna just not make you look like a buffoon and kind of opt you out of the whole <laughs> jig. I get it. But I'm like, I'm bummed out that I don't seem above it. <laughs> like, I'd oh, like to, I see. Okay. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd like to be better than that. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's true. And like, especially, it's like especially disappointing because I am like the size that clothes are made for. Like, I'm like 5'10 medium guy. Like, <laughs> I like, love that. I'm the size that clothes were made for. I no, can, no, like, but I I'm like... put them on my body and I will look good. No, no, but this is the part that's sad. Like, you know, people are like, oh, but I've got such like a weirdly shaped body. I go in and either I'm like too tall or my arms are too long or I'm, you know, overweight or too skinny or whatever. And I'm like just average size i'm 5'10 175 pounds like totally average like i walk in and like the mannequin's more fit than i am and i have a head and he doesn't but otherwise like we're the same <laughs> size and yet uh, i can't seem to get my act together and have a style that's worth a damn so it's really frustrating good it's really frustrating to me. so good <laughs> all right i think the i think that's it so uh, if you want to follow me on twitter i'm barely known and i am k daigle till next time adios